Thank you for listening to the Conformed Christ Podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays. And we are actually in the same room together. We are. We are. At your own risk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Um, worried. I am clean again, George. I'm free to return to the camp. That's good. Did, did you did you ceremonial ceremonially wash? <laughs> I did. Okay. All right. Yep. That's good. Time time washed over me, rendering me immune. Very nice. Yep. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to get out of the house for a little bit. Yeah, I bet. How long does the rest of uh, the family have to? So Drake Drake got to go back to school, right? He would have, but they didn't go back to school. They went virtual. That's right. I yeah, saw that. Because they were having an outbreak. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's a shame that they had to cancel the rest of the football season. Yeah, it was a playoff game. Right. Yeah, they had to cancel it. So yeah. Coaches got it and several players. Yeah, that's a shame. So, yeah, he he was coming back, though. He would have been able to play in it. Okay. Um, so he was back. The virtual school, man. <sighs> I, you know, I understand it's a little more dangerous for teachers, but the majority of these kids are going to get it. He got over it in less than 48 hours. Mm. You know, it's not, here I am. You know, I'm not contagious, but I'm still battling this stuff in my head. Yeah. This is like, this is like day 12 or 13. I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so to return to society, you're supposed to uh, be fever-free for without taking any you know, fever-reducing medicines for 24 hours okay. and have your um, respiratory symptoms improving Okay. past 10 days. Well, you have to cross a 10-day threshold, too. You can't just come back. Right. So 10 days is the marker and okay. then meet those other criteria. So now I'm immune, apparently. All right. Hopefully it will be forever. <laughs> okay. Like we said, yeah. you know, they keep changing the stuff back and forth. But Yeah, yeah, they keep <clears> saying, <throat> they keep saying what's... What is it now? I, I they initially said what three months, then they moved it to six months. What are they saying now? Uh, they're saying several decades. Yeah. Now, yeah. So I mean, it would make sense for a novel virus like this. Yeah. Uh, take smallpox. You know, you get smallpox. You're you're never gonna get it. You know. Well, no one gets smallpox anyway. But uh, which is an interesting read. Have you ever? Learned about smallpox and how they came up with the vaccine? Not beyond um, what Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, he died. He, he took died, the vaccine taking, and died. Taking it, yeah. yeah. So the, I guess that's how they kind of invented vaccines mm-hmm. was they used to do something which was is actually sounds pretty disgusting before vaccines. They would purposefully expose you to like the pus from a smallpox wound. So they would get it and like dry it out and powder it and like okay. make people sniff it <laughs> and they had a it's i can't remember the word for it it's like immunized but it's not okay. immunized and that would actually make you sick but right. not as sick okay but it would keep you from getting like a, a okay. having a deadly reaction to it if you uh, okay, were gotcha. exposed to it yeah well I, there was this other deal called cowpox going around the time and um i guess a doctor observed that people who had drank milk or uh, from this, these cowpox infected 
did not have any reaction when they took the um, the smallpox old school sniffing vaccine. He's like, and he's like, something's going on here. Okay, something like they're drinking this milk, and so then he's able to figure out there's there's some there's some way for you to take something into your body. Okay, which builds up something. So he, it's just like in in the uh, beginning phases of this type of medicine. Yeah. Anyway, they figured out they didn't use that cowpox virus it was a different one closely related to smallpox and they created the smallpox smallpox vaccine mm. crazy times yeah but yeah jonathan edwards took it and he died right but they eradicated it off the face of the earth mm-hmm. and the last case was in like the 70s okay. um i think in india oh wow you can read about that yeah go check it out the last known smallpox case they had uh, the army surrounded this girl's house for like a three block radius and they made sure no one got in and out or, or out of her house okay. and, and they they uh, vaccinated her and then they vaccinated a three block area around her house okay and it was gone oh wow off the face of the planet mm. i think i think there's been some though recent no has there not i have no idea yeah yeah i don't know this is what you do when you sit around for <laughs> just catch up on your reading just read the most random things yeah. in the world <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> and you don't even remember it very well because your mind is in a it's yeah. really odd like you're like oh i'm gonna read that's what i thought oh i've got this i'm i can't do anything i'm gonna read five million things and then you just you can't focus yeah you're just gone just you're just there just you're just a potato yeah <clears throat> so. but i was able to listen to the sermon and I'm here to interview you about it. Okay. On right. Text Driven Tuesday. All right. So let's jump into it. Okay. You are almost at the end of, of First Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Almost done. Yeah. You've got one more. Yeah. Closing uh, it out on sun, ne- this next Sunday. Right. One more to go. So yeah. you're in chapter five mm-hmm. and coming off the heels of talking about uh, shepherding the flock, the elders. And so you did uh, verses 6 through 11. Mm-hmm. And in this passage, you gave us two warnings and one glorious assurance, and that was your outline. Yeah. I thought that was good. It's a good outline to follow. It follows there in the text. So um, could I have you read for us the uh, the passage, yeah. and then we can jump into it? Yeah. All right. So First Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while... The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, very good. So two warnings and one glorious assurance. So let's get into it. Number one, first warning, beware of your own deceitful pride. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this kind of over to you okay. and let you do the majority of the talking here as this is... Exasperating. Exasperating. You like that word? I, I guess. It's tiring me already. Okay. Pretty crazy. Yeah. 
<clears throat> if I look over and you're you're nodding off. No, not that type of tired. Just just physically. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's like I ha- have to will myself. Like you've got energy. Yeah. I suppose it takes several weeks to get your energy back. But I'm like, okay, I'm willing myself to move at this point. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but, but like you can't go to sleep because you're you're not like that like that tired. Okay. So All right. But they don't want to hear me talk. <clears throat> I didn't preach this sermon anyway, George. So let's hear you. Well, um, so the um the main I think the main theme of this passage is Peter addressing churches that would have um, fear, that have reason to fear, that have that have cares, worries, anxiety, um, because he's told them that fiery trials are going to come, uh-huh. and so we're talking about um, losing friends, uh, being ostracized by coworkers, maybe losing your job, uh, being blasphemed for being a Christian. I mean, you're on the you're you're just going to be pushed to the the outskirts of of society because of being a Christian, right? right? And so this is going to cause fear, um, anxiety. And so he is comforting them with these words. And that's, that's kind of the overarching theme of these verses, I think, is him, him acknowledging that there's fear and then um, giving them grace, showing that there's grace in the midst of their fear. So two warnings, one assurance. The first of these warnings is beware of your own deceitful pride. And so he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Uh-huh. Um, this, this connects us back up to the passage from last week where he tells them to clothe themselves with humility. Um, so in verse 5, they're supposed to be humble in regards to their personal relationships. They're supposed to treat each other as better than themselves. But here, it's humility in the face of their circumstances. So they are experiencing, or they will experience, um, anxiety, uh-huh. and he tells them to humble themselves because um, that what what we often do when we are experiencing hardships, difficulties, is we try to figure out how we're going to deal with it on our own. Uh-huh. Um, how can I? How can I get out of this? How can I relieve myself of? you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, um, recognizing that um, these circumstances are from God in his sovereignty. So the, to do this, you'd have to adopt a, a um, for some, a different way of looking at the world, mm-hmm. perhaps. Right. Uh, Peter seems to be writing from the perspective that God is in total control. Yeah. Of all things. Right. Yeah. Um these, even even bad things. Yeah, these these trials that are coming, they're not they're not accidental. He he doesn't present these as outside of the control of God, but it's God's sovereignty that brings these these hardships uh. into their lives. Um you, you can't have him saying things um that are are um Say you know you can't have him saying something like he says in in chapter four verse twelve. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Uh-huh. If this is outside of God's sovereign um, will for right. for their lives, uh-huh. like the, these these events, even persecution is coming upon them in order to test them. Uh-huh. And where does that testing come? 
it comes from God, uh. right? Um, and so, yeah, uh, you have to acknowledge that that everything, even bad things, happen because of God's sovereign decree. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this when we talked about the problem of evil and suffering. Um, that that God is the one who is the ultimate cause of all things, um, even things that are evil in our lives. Uh-huh. Um, and so if you understand that, then you have to submit to that. Right. Without, without being, without doing evil himself. Right. God allows various things to happen to us as, uh, for, for greater purposes that we can see. Right. We're, we're not able to see from our perspective. And so, I mean, you, we went through this, like you said, in the problem of evil. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. <clears throat> so it takes for you to for you to do this this first kind of admonition to beware of your own deceitful pride, to humble yourself in circumstances to uh, to God. You have to you have to really surrender yourself to a biblical way of looking at the world. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. They kind of think, well, bad things are happening. Um, like you said, I can fix it. It's my responsibility. And, you know, that's a positive way to look at things. You, I think you should probably try to think, how can I, what can I do to make this better? But there's a difference in that and thinking, okay, I'm in total control here. All right. I'm in this position because of me or because I did something wrong. Some people even have that view of God. Bad things happen to me because I made God unhappy. Mm-hmm. Where, in fact, it could be the exact opposite. <laughs> right. You might be doing everything right, and that's why you're going through trials. Yeah. Because God is is testing you, and he's purifying your life. And like you said before. It's like Job. Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just it requires a biblical view of who God is, how he governs the world, to even obey this. Oh yeah, yeah. If if if, um, if bad things are outside of God's control, if if they're happening accidentally or or randomly, even then, Him calling you to to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. You have to have this high view of God's sovereignty and and of providence that nothing is happening by chance, nothing is happening by accident. It's all happening. Uh, passing through the sovereign hand of God. Yeah. And so when bad things happen, you can humble yourself by submitting to God's purposes for your life. So how do we do that? Verse 7, does it kind of help us to understand how to do this? Yeah, yeah. Um, casting all your anxiety on him. This is, uh, this is the means by which you humble yourself. You humble yourself uh-huh. by casting your anxiety on Okay. I, I don't know why the ESV translates that as anxieties. Okay. It's in, the, in the Greek, it's it's a singular, it's anxiety, it's it's in total. Right. It's not pick and choose which one you cast on him. It's it's everything. Cast your anxiety, all of it, on God. That's how you humble yourself. You cast yourself upon him. You are recognizing your own um, inadequacies and weaknesses and and even sinfulness. I mean, mm. if we if we try to handle our own problems ourselves, it often results in sinful anger or or impatience or depression. I mean, those are those are all products of us trying to handle our our problems on our own. And so, what we're supposed to do instead of all of these 
all of these uh, you know prideful, independent ways were to cast our cares upon God. Okay. Um, Peter or Paul, he um, he expands on this in Philippians chapter four. Right? Uh-huh. Um, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, um, present your your request to God. Right. right? Um, and I made the remark uh, on Sunday that I, th- I think the reason why we have so many of these 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 worries and stresses in our life is maybe because we don't spend as much time in prayer as we ought right. to. Like we we don't we don't cast our cares upon God. Yeah. We we internalize them, and it gives us heartburn and sleepless <laughs> nights and um, you know all, all these all these these physical ailments that that pop up because we are so stressed all the time and instead of instead of um wallowing in our own anxiety we need to go to god in prayer cast our anxiety on him yeah you made a good point and i'm really glad that you did because i've heard people pastors say this on more than one occasion it's that anxiety is a sin right like we're commanded in particular, in Philippians, mm-hmm. right to not be anxious, right, and so people say if you if you have anxiety, it's a sin. Yeah. And you said, I think correctly that that can't be true. Yeah, and for one very important reason, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean we see we see that Jesus had. I I think you you have to call it anxiety. Uh. I I don't know what else to call it. In the in the garden on the eve. Of his crucifixion, he is in such distress that he he sweats drops of blood. Uh-huh. I don't know what else to call that right. <laughs> except anxiety. Mm-hmm. the The issue, and you know, the, we have to be careful when we're counseling people, and and this is not um, you know a, a pastoral thing alone. But if someone comes to you with a problem. That we don't just slap a Bible verse on them, right? Right, and we we <laughs> you slap Philippians four on someone's wound um, like a band aid, and that doesn't help, <laughs> right? I've heard people use um, Romans eight twenty eight yeah. in the same way. Oh, you know, God God causes all things to work for your good, right? Like, yes, that's true, but that's not how. The passage is is used. It's not used as this superficial covering, right? Right. Um, so we have to be really careful that we're not just throwing out these trite answers, right? Like we want to we want to use them correctly. So it's not like it's, like like Paul like Paul's using it for example. He's right. not he's he's using it as a way a means of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Uh, the the illustration I used was it's not a band-aid for a gaping wound, it's like a splint for a broken bone. It's supposed yeah. to support you in yes. your in your hurt. Yeah. Right. It's it's not it's not meant to just kind of do the superficial covering, ignore your problems. Right. Right. It's it's supposed to it's supposed to uplift you so in ex- those problems and ang- support you. Anxiety itself that so therefore can't be a sin if Jesus experienced it, but he is a model and he does I think what Jesus does in the garden is what Peter is calling them to do here. And, and what Paul says, uh-huh. he prays, yeah. right? <laughs> That's what he does. He, he prays to God. He, so the, the issue is not you have anxiety, you're a sinner. I mean, you are a sinner. Right. <laughs> but that's not, that's not, anxiety itself is not a sin. Uh. 
it's how, really, it's how you, you do deal with it, with it. Yeah. how you deal with it that's going to prove whether you're sinning in your anxiety or not yes right so jesus i think he has anxiety i, I think he's he is distressed he's going to the cross he's going to experience separation from his father and the wrath of god um, for the sins of his people that's it's causing him uh, to have anxiety but instead of internalizing it and trying to figure out how am I going to do this and psyching himself up, right? He cast his care upon God and he, he entrusts himself to his father. Yes. And that's what we're called to do. We're not called to internalize it and, and fret over it. We're called to humble ourselves by trusting that this is all in God's sovereign care and then casting it, casting it all on him because he cares yeah. for us. Yeah. The, the saying is ignorance is bliss, right? Right. And Jesus knows his father perfectly. It would almost be wrong in a way for him not to have experienced anxiety, mm. knowing that his father is truly holy yeah. and perfect, right. and that he is about to take on the sins of all his people. He mm. knows that before he does it. Yeah. And if it didn't cause him anxiety, that would almost come across as not genuine. Right. But because he truly grasped how great God is, it it became terrifying. Yeah. Um. And and what Paul, what Peter is talking about here, he's talking about real things that would cause real, real anxiety. Yeah. Like he's talking about the threat of losing, um, your livelihood of of losing your freedom <clears throat> of losing even even your life. Yes. For the sake of the gospel, he's not he's not calling you to ignore that and say, oh, everything's fine. You remember, right. you, you know, yeah. that meme with the, the dog sitting at the table and right. the house is on fire and he says, this is fine. Yeah. Like, that's not what we're called to do. Yeah. <laughs> we're not called to just ignore everything. We're called not to despair. Yeah. yeah. Right? We're not, we're not, we're not called to despair over everything that's happening because uh-huh. we're trusting God. And yeah. and that's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't despairing. Mm-hmm. He is casting his care upon his father because he knows that his father is sovereign and and this is all according to his plan and uh as as hebrews says he was looking to the joy he because of the joy set before him he despised the cross yeah. so he knew that he knew he he was trusting god he had hope that god would fulfill his promises uh-huh. that he would not abandon his soul to to hades right but he would experience resurrection so he was casting his cares upon God. Uh, Paul uses the same word in um, in Second Corinthians. He has uh, constant anxiety for the churches. Yeah, like he he worries about the churches, <laughs> which right? would be, I mean, if you didn't care, yeah, you wouldn't have anxiety about the right. church. You just whatever happens to him happens to him. But it's just it's a natural part of being a human in a fallen world. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, like there's you said, real... the issue is what we do with it. Yeah, and you call and, and you called us to do what the text calls us to do is to cast our anxieties upon God, mm-hmm. and you gave us two reasons why we can do that. Yeah, there's two reasons in those two verses. The first is that He's He's mighty. We we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and I, I think we often we and ought... it, and it makes total sense if God is truly mighty. Right, uh, you can cast your anxieties on Him. He is in control. Yeah. If God is not sovereign and He's not in total control, then you have every right to be anxious about everything. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah. You need to you need to help God out, <laughs> right? Because if it's not if it's not a group effort, <laughs> then yeah. you know it may not work out. Mm-hmm. But He's mighty, um, and you don't have to. I think sometimes we 
we cast our small anxieties on God, but the big ones, those are the ones we really fret over and we really don't know, is God going to be able to help me in this? But he's mighty and so mm. we're able to cast our cares upon him because he he's able, he's the only one who's able to truly hold us up in our our worries and our cares. He's the only one who can help us. Mm. Um, but the second one is that he cares for us. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not, I, I don't know if people listening ever experience this, that they have this worry that God is impatient with them. Like you've, you've come to him time and time and time again, and he's just getting fed up. But that's not how God is presented in the scriptures. He's inviting us to cast all of our care, your, your anxiety, in total upon him because he cares for you. Um, he's, it, it's like with me and my children, when my children have a problem, I want them to come to me. Uh-huh. Um, first, because I'm able to do things that they're not. I have resources that they don't have that are not available to them, and so I can help them. Um, and and two, because I care for them, I love them. Yeah. And if and if I a, a sinful, weak father, um, care for my children in this way. How much infinitely more does God care for His children? Yes, He He wants you to come because He He is able and He loves you, and so we can cast our cares upon Him. We yeah. we don't have to we don't have to feel like we're we're abandoned and all alone in the midst of all of our fears. We have yeah. a God who loves us. That's good. Yeah, so this is the first warning: beware your own deceitful pride. You're you can be prideful in thinking that you can you're in control of yeah. these circumstances. You you can fix them, and you can't. So and, hum, humble yourself. And that God. is and that is sin. That is sin. that is sin. And That's God sin. opposes that, is what verse five tells us. He opposes people who are like this. Don't be like this. Yeah. Humble yourself and cast your care upon God because He cares for you. Yep. So then we have another warning yeah. uh, before we get to this, our gl- glorious assurances. Uh, beware of uh, your prowling enemy. Mm. Beware of your prowling enemy. Yep. Verses 8 and 9. Yeah, there's. It, we don't have to just worry about uh, beware of the things in us, but we have to be aware of our enemy who's out there. So it's not just the flesh that um, is opposed to us, but it's the devil. Yeah. And uh, he's a personal devil. I mean, you, Peter, Peter doesn't. You mean personal, like he? There's one for each of us. Well, no. Or you mean personal, he's, like he's, he's a? He's an individual. He's a, pers- like he's, like he's a, a person. He's a person. Yeah. There's a there's a person. Um, but you uh, don't mean human when you say person. right. He's a he's an angelic supernatural being, an intelligent being. Yeah. Um, and he's malevolent. What is he, George? What kind of being is he? He was an angel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. apparently he was an angel okay. and he, and he fell. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> is he a cherubim? Is he a seraphim? We don't know these things, though, do we, George? Yeah, there's, there's, we're not given a whole lot of details about him. We can piece some things together. But the main thing we need to know is that he is he's an individual. He's, he's a person. You mean? He's a creature. 
right? So he's, right. he's finite, so he can't be everywhere, and he doesn't know everything. That's a good and point. And he's not all powerful. These are good points to make. These are not like side, you know, unimportant things, because people often think, even people that are Roman churches, they think like the devil is God's counterpart. Mm-hmm. Like God is omnipresent. The devil must be omnipresent. Yeah, there's it's like a tug of war. There's a good, and yeah. there's an evil, and they're they're opposed, but they're equal in, in power, and so you're... You're going back and forth. It, you've heard the you've heard the little stupid saying, right? God yeah. has cast his vote. The, de- yeah, the, the devil's de- cast his vote. You de- you, you cast you the deciding vote. Like, yeah. like the yeah. devil doesn't have an equal vote, right? Yeah. He's not. The he's not no equal. Vote. He's not equal to God. Yeah, your right? vote doesn't equal God's either. By the That's way, right. <laughs> <You're listening. laughs> That's right. <laughs> but he he's not everywhere. He's not he's everywhere. Not omnipresent. Yeah, uh, you and I probably will never encounter the devil in our own our own life, yeah. right? But there's demons. Uh-huh. Um, he's the, the, the devil. He's, he's got his minions. Um, but the, the, he can only be in one place. He's, he's a creature. He's finite. He's, um, but he hates you. He does travel to and fro. He travels to and fro. Yeah, he Looking does. Looking for someone to devour. Right. He prowls about. Yeah. So there's three words that are used to describe him. He's, he's, uh, he's an adversary. Which is a word that is used of um, your opponent in court. Mm-hmm. So he's he's the uh, prosecuting attorney. He's the he's the plaintiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at Zechariah three. I was reading that this morning. Zechariah chapter three. You have this courtroom setting. God is the judge, and Joshua the high priest is on trial. And yeah. here's here's the devil. He's he's hurling these yeah. these accusations against him because yeah. he's the he's the prosecuting attorney. Yeah, you're guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah, um, but he's also the devil. Yeah, um, and I don't think we often think that that actually means something. Uh-huh. He's an accuser. He he hurls slander. Slanderer. Yeah, he's he's a slanderer. Um, he, he insults uh-huh. God's people, and then he's a lion. Yeah. He's a roaring lion. He wants to destroy. Yeah, he wants to devour you. Now you said we may not ever encounter him, but Martin Luther. Mm. The reformer, one of the most important people, I think, actually in world history, right? Providentially, by God's design, yeah. He seems to have encountered him mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. and he would come to him as an accuser, yeah, and slanderer. Luther's secret weapon, George. Shall I say it? If you want to, <laughs> <laughs> he'd say he'd scare him away with a fart. Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly what he said. <laughs> He was quite a character, man. Why don't we have hey, a... If that, you know, scare, if that scares the devil away, uh-huh. he'll never be at my house. That's right. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. He'll never come He'll never come within 100 feet of my house. You know, we've got, uh, we've got things like uh, morning and evening devotions with Charles Spurgeon. Why don't we have a devotional reading of Martin Luther? <laughs> I don't know, man. He, do, he, he does have some pretty great quotes where he, uh, he, talk, he talks back to the devil. Right. And he's... He speaks the gospel to him. Yeah. So that's yeah. really how he scares him away. Right. He says, and, like, and everything you say about me is true, Right. but Christ died for me, Yeah. and where he is, I will be also. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and that's what we're called to do also. Yeah. So I think this is one of those verses that we're so accustomed to that we've kind of lost the context of what's going on. The devil is like a roaring lion, and he's prowling around seeking someone to devour. And I think we often think that's that's temptation, um, just these 
subtle temptations. Right. And we are tempted, um, but that's not what's going on here. He's a roaring lion, and a lion roars to scare off other animals. Uh-huh. Like that's if you've ever you know heard a lion roar, <laughs> it's it's frightening. Yeah. Right? It's, I mean, it's loud. It it just reverberates everywhere. He's trying to scare you. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to scare you into leaving the faith. Yeah. That that's the purpose of the devil in this passage. He wants to devour you. That he wants to destroy you completely. He wants to swallow you up. Mm-hmm. He wants you through fear of uh, hostility, persecution, suffering, death. He wants you to leave the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's similar to the entire book of Hebrews. As the Christians are being persecuted, and they are being tempted to leave the faith and go back to Judaism, mm. it's the same thing here. He he wants you to be scared. He wants to hurl these insults at you and these accusations and cause you to leave the faith. Uh, and what we're called to do is we're called to resist him, oh. and that's that's something that you have to actively do. You you can't just passively resist this kind of this kind of activity against you, you have to actively resist him firm in your faith. And what that is, is I I think exactly what you're talking about with Martin Luther. It's when he hurls these accusations at you and these, uh, these slanders and he tries to scare you into apostatizing that you, you say everything you said about me is true, but Christ died for me Uh and where he is, I'll be with him also. Uh That's, that's what it means the the way in which we resist the devil is not by rebuking him you know like a televangelist uh, i rebuke you devil right right <laughs> that's that's not what he's talking oh, about man. here I, I should have had the covid-19 jam ready <laughs> i could have that's right it. it's that's not what he means by resisting the devil mm-hmm. um what he means is standing firm in your faith that's how you resist the devil uh. And you can look at First John chapter five. I love Revelation chapter twelve. Um, you've got the dragon who is he is um, inspiring the the beast of the of the sea to persecute God's people. And how do they resist? They resist him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, uh-huh. and that they're not afraid even even to die. Yeah, like they're they're not afraid to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. That's how you resist the devil, is that you you keep believing. Uh-huh. Like when the devil accuses you, when the devil uh, hurls his insults, when you run up against suffering and you are tempted to turn your back and run, say, I believe, and, and resist. Yeah. Good. Very good. Okay, so those are the two warnings. Now we get to uh, this great uh, assurance that we have, and we have this great promise that God will fulfill all his promises to us mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. God's going to fulfill all his promises to us. Right. Verses 10 and 11. Yeah. Um, these are great verses. I mean, we could have spent an hour <laughs> on Sunday just talking about these two verses. Um and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, I, you know, you just just walk through it. After you've suffered a little while, 
I, I love that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that promise that your suffering is just for a little while. Yeah. Even if it's for your entire life, um, in comparison with God's promises, it's just a little while. Yeah. It's, it's just a short while. It's, it's second Corinthians, uh, four seventeen, right? For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond mm-hmm. all comparison. Yeah. So you're, you're suffering no matter how intense, how long it lasts in your life. It, it just, you put it in the scale next to the eternal weight of glory and it, it's nothing. It's not even a grain of sand Mm -hmm. Um, in the, the, the eternity that is stretching forever for the believer. Right. Um, And we, we, uh, we see that God is the God of all grace. So after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace is going to do something for you. Um, And we see his grace in that he's, he, is the one who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ. So that's the initial salvation. He's caused you to be born again. But we also see His pers- that he gives you persevering grace that after this, he's going to restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. And I, uh, I, before I looked at different commentaries, I was looking at these different words and there's a lot of overlap. Uh-huh. So when I got to Calvin and he said, it's not necessary to really take these words apart. They're meant to be together. Right. So, well, that makes sense. Because right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they, they kind of mean the same thing. There's little nuances. Right. But, but it's really just <clears throat> meant to be like this avalanche that just falls on your head. Um, you're, God is going to restore everything that you lost he's going to strengthen you he's going to restore your vitality and your energy and and he's going to plant you like a like a foundation and you'll never be moved again uh-huh. so so you've got your suffering you persevere to the end and god has promised through uh the word through the ministry of the holy spirit he's going to cause you to persevere you're going to cross the finish line and you're going to be established forever you're, you're going to experience eternal glory. Um, he's going to exalt you. This is the this is the meaning of he will exalt you in uh-huh. verse six. Uh-huh. Is that he'll he'll plant you in uh, new heavens and new earth forever, uh-huh. and you'll be in his his presence. Uh, I, I I like the summary. I think uh, that you see given to the church in Philadelphia that the one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple you'll you'll be in god's presence forever Mm. you you'll never be moved yeah and and that's the promise that's given um here in verse 10 awesome yeah great promises and it ends with this uh final doxology yeah 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 to him be dominion forever and ever he's he's the god who is powerful he's the mighty god he's the sovereign one he's the one who um, the nations rage, right? But he's established his king in, in Zion. And um, so you're called to come to Christ. Oh. Come to Christ. He's the king forever. He, he's the one to whom all the, all the nations will bow. Um, he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He'll put all his enemies under his feet. Which side are you going to be on, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, to him belongs the dominion forever and ever, and we will be singing his praises forever and ever uh, in his presence 
because he keeps all his promises. Very good. So based upon these promises, you can now cast your anxiety on him. We we gotta we have to move beyond just what you see and hear and feel today and always be keeping your eyes on the glory that will be revealed when Christ comes. That's good. That's what Christians are called to do is just always be looking forward to the future. Very good. Well, it was good. Good sermon. Encourage you to go check it out. You've got one more. What are you going to do with these last few verses, these final greetings? That's a good question. <laughs> it's, always, it's, always, it's always a challenge to end a book, especially a letter. Um, but there's some stuff there that I'm going to bring out to just reemphasize the, the themes of the book mm. and just a final a final exhortation and final encouragement to... Are you going to teach us how to kiss each other with kiss the each holy other. kiss? Kiss each other, yeah. Verse uh, 14? Yeah, yeah, greet one another with the kiss of love. Oh, man. The kiss of love, Jay. That won't be controversial. Come over here, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I'll, uh, I'll pass out kisses there. You consider it an inoculation. Okay, all right. You, you have to suffer for 10 days. That's right. <laughs> in order to get it. Hey, that's in Revelation, too. <laughs> It's a good sermon. Look forward to your next one. Hopefully, this has been beneficial to you and it has uh, benefited you. If it has, please give us a review. Go on Facebook, open it up, write us a little review. Do the same thing on iTunes or whatever else you listen on. Share it with your friends. Help us get the word out. It's our hope and our desire that everything that we do here is biblical and helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ.